Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Have y'all ever been varmint hunting? Now, varmint hunting, my, my dad, believe it or not, I get a text from my dad this morning, and, uh, you know, uh, you, there's no way you can see it, but my dad must have gone varmint hunting last night because he sends me pictures of what he got. And he got a bobcat and some fox and some coyotes and everything. My dad varmint calling to him is like crack cocaine for cowboys. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that man just, he gets all shook up and he can't wait to come up here and, and, uh, go varmint hunting and stuff like that. I, he just, he just loves it. Um, I, I like doing it, but I'm kind of, I have a small aversion to being cold. And most of the time, you know, when we, when we hunted down there, we would go in the winter time. That's why I really don't like deer hunting either. If they'd move deer hunting to the summer where I didn't have to dress up and have snot froze on my nose, I'd probably be pretty good. But, you know, the first time I... Now, if you don't know what varmint hunting is, you know, what we used to do... I know you can do it at all times during the day, but we would do it at night. Now, you have to understand, I was about this big... And the first time I remember going varmint hunting, I didn't know what it was. Dad said we was going to go out hunting. I was all for it and everything. Well, you get out there and you stand up in the back of this pickup and you have this jackrabbit call and it's like, and I mean, it's like this scary sound and you're out there in the middle of nowhere and it's pitch dark. They're blowing this scary sound and then you turn on the light to see if anything's fixing to eat you. Okay. Now, whenever I was little, that was somewhat unnerving to me. I'm like, Dad, what are we doing? We're going to see if there's any coyotes that are going to try to come eat us because we're acting like a jackrabbit. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Ain't happening. It ain't happening. I'm going to go sit in there and eat the Twinkies that are in there. Y'all can sit out here and get eaten by the coyotes. That's fine. And, and my dad was always like, ah, it ain't that big of a deal. They're not going to come up here and everything. Well, I showed him one time because I wasn't this tall. I was about this tall. And we went, we were right out there at the ranch and we're calling and everything. And you know, you'd call for a little while and you're sitting there and you're cold. And then you'd turn the spotlight on and you'd turn and, you know, you'd look for some eyes. And if you didn't see anything, you'd turn it off and go to calling again. Well, he was working the, the call and I was working the spotlight. And we didn't see anything, but all of a sudden he goes to calling again. And all of a sudden we went, felt the truck go boom. And I turned the spotlight on and there was a coyote standing on the back of the tailgate looking at us. I pulled the cowboy ninja maneuver and inked like an octopus. That's the nicest way I know how to put that, folks. Nicest way. <laughs> this other time I worked for the prison system and I had a couple of lieutenants that had never been varmint hunting. So I invited them out and you, you remember, uh, I might be showing my age now, they had like a Suzuki Samurai. And one of the lieutenants had this Suzuki Samurai and it was perfect for hunting because it was small and you could get around the mesquites. And then you could like, you know, get it all warm and he had like this sunroof where you could just kind of pop out the top and blow on the call and shine the light around and everything like that. And I'll never forget, I'm there with him, and I'm like, okay, we got to be real quiet. My dad was a stickler about that. Shh, shh. He made more noise shushing me than I ever made, but still. 
And so I told this guy, I was like, hey, man, we got to be real quiet. When we pull up here, we're going to shut everything off. We're going to be real quiet. He's like, all right, all right. So anyway, we get to the spot that we're going to hunt. We're like being real quiet, shut everything off, pull the key out, lay it down. And we stand up in the seats, and he's got the gun, and I've got the spotlight and the, and the call. And we're sitting there and everything. And I go to calling, and he's, you can tell he's digging it. He's kind of looking at me like, yeah, this is awesome. And all of a sudden, I hear, he lights up a cigarette. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm being quiet. I'm like, do you not think that they didn't see the big old flame and you're blowing smoke everywhere that that might be somewhat of a deterrent? He's like, I didn't think about that. He didn't put it out. He kept smoking it. So I was like, all right, man. We're, we're going to have to go somewhere else. So we get back down and we drive to another location and we're real quiet. Turn the key off, pull it out, sit down like that. We get out and we start. And I mean, we're getting it and he's got the gun and I've got the spotlight. And all of a sudden I hear. And I look over and he is opening up a bag of Cheetos. I'm like, dude, seriously. He's like, dude, I was hungry. <laughs> We're going to have to move to a new spot. <laughs> and so anyway, we got down and we go to this other spot and we, okay, we got to be real quiet. No Cheetos, no smoking. Yeah, don't turn on the radio. I, I'm trying to cover all the bases. He's like, okay, okay, okay. And so anyway, we get up and, you know, I start calling, what? And I've got the light on and everything. And he's being real quiet, so it's pretty cool right now. Anyway, and I'm shining it around and I've done this about three times. And I know God was taking care of me that day. Because about the third or fourth time I blew on that call, and I went to shine, to turn that spotlight on, I was right here. And whenever I flicked it on, I saw a dinatactyl was going to attack me. I don't know the, the scientific name for it, but it was about 400 feet wide. It's Wings were open like this, and its claws were out, and it was probably about right there, about 10 feet above my head. What it was is it was a barn owl, and it was fixing to grab my noggin. I inked in his Suzuki Samurai. It's the nicest way I know how to put that. But it was. I mean, it, if I wouldn't have turned that on, that barn owl, granted, I mean, its its wingspan was probably about like mine, and it was coming in with claws bared, and you should have seen it. It inked too whenever I hit that spotlight and shined it right. He's like, oh, that wasn't a jackrabbit. So anyway, but none of those mattered except this one time. We were out there calling, and it was me and a buddy of mine. What? What? We hadn't seen anything, nothing. And I had just turned the light off, and you kind of wait and let things settle down a little bit. And if you've never heard a mountain lion scream, it sounds like a woman screaming. Maybe it doesn't when you're at the zoo or something, but when you are in the middle of a Texas pasture, and it is completely dark, and you have been trying to bring a predator in, and you hear... And it did. It sounded just like a woman screaming. My, the hair on my, on my neck went up, and I was like, forget it. We're going. I'm okay with little dogs and bobcats and stuff like that, but when something that can seriously eat me starts yelling at me, I'm gone. In 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 8, 
The Bible talks about one of those two. It talks about a roaring lion. Let's read it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, that's pretty, that's pretty deep stuff right there, you know. And, and I think that a lot of times, you know, uh, I mean, if you believe in God, you need to know that there's another side of it. God wants everything good for us and all of that, and there's another person, naming, namely being Satan himself, that wants nothing but to kill, steal, and destroy, because that's what the Bible says. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have you been, have you heard that roaring lion? Now, I want you to understand, whenever I read the Bible, sometimes stuff just kind of clicks, because let, let's look at that verse right here. It says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I don't know that much about lions, whether they be African lions or mountain lions or anything like that. But, you know, if you are truly being stalked by a lioness in Africa, I doubt that they go around roaring all the time. You know, if they're looking for something to devour, they're going to sneak through the grass and ambush, ambush you. Going to ambush you. That's the way it's spelled, ambush. Be self-controlled. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What does it mean? What does a roaring lion biblically sound like and what does it do? Now, I'm telling you that last week we talked about verse uh, 7. says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Now that's what, you know what, that is such an awesome, awesome verse because he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my way is easy, my burden is light. He says, do not be afraid, do not worry, be at peace. I mean, constantly God is trying to take care of us. And it says right there, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Now, what does that have to do with the roaring lion? I'm telling you right now that stress and anxiety, worry, guilt, fear, shame, all of those things that we should be given to God, those are the open doors that the lion roars to get in. That is just leaving your hen house open for the fox and the lion to come in. It's not just for your own benefit. It's for your protection to give all of your cares to God. Because I guarantee you that little seed of doubt, that little seed of anxiety, that little seed of worry that you've got going on, man, it's just going to go in there and it's going to build and it's going to build and it's going to build and it's going to open the door for the devil to come in and start messing you up. It says right there, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, and, and let's go one step further. Not only does he get to us with, because I mean, think about this. How many offense is it just nearly debilitating when you start down that track of, you know, you'd be going along and you start, man, I'm kind of worried about, uh, about this deal that's going on, you know, maybe you, maybe you need a new job or maybe you don't have a job or, you know, I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, I, I, w I was talking to Bill Duckworth yesterday and, you know, my, my daughter's a senior in high school. His daughter just graduated, fixing to go to Durango to college and he's worried sick about, you know, driving on the snow and everything. Man, once you start worrying about stuff, man, doesn't it lead you to the other stuff you need to be worried about, about the other stuff you need to be worried about or you get scared about this? I mean, it's just a flood. 
It's a roaring lion with those cares that you should be immediately casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. How many of us actually go through that? We carry away around this weight and this burden that we were never meant to carry. But there is only one way to get out of that, to shush that roaring lion, and that is to cast all of your cares upon him. But it's not just your cares that the devil roars in your ear and tries to devour you with. He is called the ruler of this world. And you know what? Just turn your TV on. Just turn your radio on. Open up a magazine. Whatever it takes, you walk out of here and this world screams at you of what you should be and everything that you're not. Do you love yourself? Because advertising will say, man, if you, if you drink this beer, it'll be summer, but it'll start snowing. Or you can be the most interesting man in the world if you drink this beer. Or, you know, if you drink this diet Coke or this diet product, that you'll lose weight. And just everything in this world is geared towards tearing down our self-confidence so that we can go buy something that will, oh, it's going to make you happy. It's going to make you happy. This world screams at everything. There, has everybody seen? Well, I hope you haven't seen it, but there's a Carl Jr.'s commercial that tries to make a freaking hamburger look sexy. Well, my wife went off on Carl Jr.'s. She sent them emails, and I, I was like, I'm glad I, my name ain't Carl. You done messed up. You done ticked off the worst preacher's wife ever, and she didn't come by that name just because it sounded good. She'll kick your butt. But what I'm saying is, why would the devil worry about your self-confidence? Because I am firmly convinced of this truth right here. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You are God's workmanship. He don't make junk. You are perfectly fine just the way you are, and God loves you just the way you are. And the devil is going to try to tear down that self-confidence, tear down that self-respect. And let me tell you why. Because you can only love others with the same amount of love that you have for yourself. You can't love anybody beyond your own self-respect. You can't love anybody more than you love yourself. And I'm not talking about a prideful conceited. I'm talking about just knowing how much God loves you. He doesn't have to keep you from spreading the gospel. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, we will never be able to do that like he did it, but thank God that he finished that for us, and we can abide in that, that Jesus has already accomplished everything that we can't. That doesn't mean that we don't strive to do that. But he also said, love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't have to go around and stop you from, doing, from loving on other people. Why? Because all he has to do is make you feel bad about yourself, and then he knows that you can only love people with the amount of love that you have for yourself. You want to start loving other people and shining God's light, giving them the good news? You've got to know that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You are so awesome and you are so perfect that Jesus looked down and saw you on the cross and said, I did it for you. Yet we are going around going, oh, I don't like this about me and I don't like that about me. And I'm not talking about that we don't all probably need to get off the couch and maybe get some exercise or anything. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about do you love yourself? You should. I would say it's nearly a sin not to. Jesus loved you so much he went and died for you so that he could take all of those cares and all of that anxiety. Man, do not listen to this world. 
The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to change the way you think about yourself. You have to love yourself. Why? Because that's what God wants you to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love anybody. That's the limiting factor. You will never get above how much you love yourself. Start knowing how much God loves you. He made you in perfection. In, not M, not imperfection, in perfection. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Man, I see people moping around, not liking themselves. You ought to love yourself because only by loving yourself are you going to be able to go out and love others. Don't listen to that roaring lion that is able to get to you through your anxiety, through your stress. You know what one of the greatest killers in this world is? Stress. It causes heart disease. It causes mental disorders. We were not meant to carry that inside ourselves. You are not tough if you are carrying around a bunch of stress and anxiety and worry and doubt and shame and guilt and however many other big words that y'all know. You're not meant to carry that. You are not tough for doing that. You want to be tough? Give it to God because that's what is tough. Walk around here holding your head up how knowing that Jesus Christ died for you. And also, <laughs> pray for me! <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. You know what? There's no greater sound in the world to me than a child crying in church. That means his parents are here, and they love God enough to bring their children here and raise them up in the way they should go. Yeah. Show me a church with no kids, and I'll show you a church with no future. Cast all of your cares upon him. Don't listen to the world and all of the stuff that it's telling you. That you're going to be cool if you do this or if you do that. Buy this product or, or whatever. You are not defined by material things. You are defined by your love in Christ Jesus. And there's one other thing about a roaring lion. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 1 Peter 5.8. Memorize it. Why lion? Why didn't he say like a roaring um, wallaby or a roaring coyote? A roaring llama! Oh, crap. I just inked. I hate shaved llamas and alpacas. I'm sorry for y'all that have alpacas. I didn't say I'm sorry for what I said. I said I'm sorry for y'all. That's like having a freaking spook house in your backyard. Hey, y'all, come over. Come to the spook house. Walk out in the pen. Well, that's it. We're going to go home now. I done lost my train of thought. Why a roaring lion? Did you know what the Bible calls Jesus? Calls him the Lamb of God. What's the second thing he was called? The Lion of Judah. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Why would he do that? Why did the Holy Spirit tell Peter to use that term? Nothing in this book is by accident. Listen to this. He's trying to imitate God. Did he not tell Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? He's trying to put himself in the position of God. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. And what does that mean? Here it is right here. And if you didn't, if you hadn't heard anything I've said so far, listen to this. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you for anything 
that you have done. He's not mad at you, but the devil prowls around like a roaring lion trying to convince you that God is mad at you. He will try to imitate the voice of God in your heart and he will seek nothing to bring except to bring condemnation on you so that he can destroy that self-confidence, so that he can rise up your anxiety and your stress, so that he can come in and he can devour you and, sh and cut off the light of God in your life. That doesn't mean he can take it away, but he can sure throw a hat over you. And you know what? We do it all the time. We let him. Because we think that God is mad at us. He is not mad at you when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He said all of your sins have been forgiven. As a matter of fact, God says, I will remember their sins no more. Why do we go around thinking that somehow that you have done something that was so heinous or you have been doing something for so long that it is not enough that Jesus Christ died on a cross, that God poured out all of his wrath on his son on the cross, except for that? Well, I did something so bad that, you know what? Peter, before Jesus was crucified on the cross, Peter denied Christ three times, and he's the one that wrote this book. There is nothing you can do when you are abiding, when you are riding with Christ. There is nothing that you can do or have done that is going to make God mad. Quit listening to that roaring lion. God is not mad at you. God loves you. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. He's going to get to you with that anxiety, that stress, that sorrow. We must cast all our cares upon Him because He cares for us. We need to uh, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. Quit looking for material things and what you wear. You know what? This will be the PG version. There is a rated R version of this. Mother Teresa did not worry about how big her thighs were because she had crap to do. Think about that. Quit worrying about all that stuff. God loves you. He wants you right up there next to Him. Man, it's an awesome deal whenever you're riding out, going out together or something, and the boss says, come on up here, man, ride with me. And you get to ride up there and ride right alongside Him. That's what Jesus wants for you. But too often, man, we just quit. We turn around and head off because we think that we've done something wrong or, oh, I don't, you know, being a Christian is for sissies. Oh, bull. Only tough people go to heaven because I guarantee you it's a lot tougher to cast all of your cares and all of your anxiety on Him. It's harder to know that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And to know that God is not mad at you. You can walk out of here today with your head held high knowing that all of your sins have been forgiven. And if there's anything still left that you, that you are holding on to, not God, then you confess that sin. Better yet, let's confess God's promise that he no longer is mad at us. All of my sins have been forgiven. Why do we confess? It's not so that Jesus will necessarily forgive us. A lot of times it's so that we can forgive ourselves because he's already done it. Confession is about taking something because the Bible says that the heart of man is dark and nothing can survive when it is given to the light. That's biblical. And when we confess something, we are bringing it out of our dark hearts, confessing it, and it cannot survive in the light. That's why it says confess your sins to each other. Come talk to me. If you got something that's weighing you down, come talk to me. I ain't going to judge you. Chances are, I've done it too. Go talk to Ty. 
Talk to Dave. Talk to, talk to my wife. Talk, talk to your buddy. You know what? None of us have a right to judge, but all of us have the right to be loved by God. But we can't love others any more than we love ourselves. Here's the deal. What's the first part of that verse say? It says, be self-controlled and alert. Keep your head on a swivel. You've got to constantly be watching out. And it says in verse 9, it says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. We are all going through this. We all have to be self-controlled and alert, and we have to stand firm in our faith. What is our faith? If I were to ask you that, could you answer it? How do you stand firm in your faith? You've got to know what your faith is. And your faith is in Jesus Christ and on His finished work on the cross. He has done already what you could not do. And all He asks is that we get up close to Him. And when He goes this way, you go this way. When He goes this way, you go that way. We follow Him. That's one of the first words He said. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me, and I'll make you gatherers of cowboys and cowgirls. Hi, this is Lovey Weatherby. I call myself the worst preacher's wife ever, but Kevin calls me his better half. Confused yet? Well, you shouldn't be. All you need to do is go to SaveTheCowboy.com and you can find links to our live church broadcast each Sunday morning. Or you can go back and listen to this service or any others that you missed. Did you know my man is the author of four books? You can find them all, as well as sermons on CD, by clicking on the store link at SaveTheCowboy.com. On behalf of Kevin and Save the Cowboy, thanks for listening. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.